And we're live. Welcome to Don't Be Coy. I'm your host, Uncle Lou. And today I have the honor, pleasure, and utmost appreciation to have with me today, Miss Farron Russell. Farron, how are you doing this afternoon? Hi, I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How was your previous week? I think once you crossed that threshold of 30 and up, things just kind of run together. <laughs> so like, I can't tell you something specific that happened, but it was a good week. Well, that's good. Thank you once again for being on the show. Just as some background information, this is season two of Don't Be Coy, focusing on moments of transformation. And what I like to do is just have a conversation with you to talk about some of your past experiences and present and then how you've taken some of those lessons learned to be intentional towards your journey to your future. And like we were talking earlier a little bit about journey through education. I think it would be really beneficial if you just shared a little bit about yourself and told us who you are. Sure. I'm fair. I'm a practitioner of the field of education. I would say I fell into it, but I feel like it chose me. I was that girl in college who loved school. And every class I took was assigned to change my major to it. And so by the time we were like coming up on senior year, then something happened and we went to education and I haven't lived since then. So yeah. <laughs> so let's just start straight there then. We've known each other for a numerous amount of years. And like you said, went to college, majored in English. What was that kind mm -hmm. of journey for you to make that decision to say, hey, this is going to be the profession that I'm going to go into. Yeah. My alma mater, which is an actually assistant institution to yours, is Wiley College in Marshall, Texas. If you have not seen The Great Debaters, it is mandatory, and that is your homework for me. But the, my school is known for its debate team. They were to be on Second Child of Charms for the first time I did not make it. She was not ready. But <laughs> when you try out, you have to do a current event, and then you have to do like an acting and so my current event, was, the second time around, was this article from the I mean, newspaper that talked about, it was trashing one of the school districts that I'm interpreting as a solution to preparing a school district was basically kind of just to let it go and focus on charter schools. And so I'm like, that's great experience in that school district. What are you talking about? You know, then they might be a little out of touch, so you need to do your due diligence and teach. And then... The next piece was, okay, but how, girl? Because you're about to be a senior. So what you what you doing? What are you doing? Well, I spent that summer from junior year of college to senior college Google. Like, Google and I are like this. And from local colleges, uh, community college and uh, four-year institutions in my area, it was really gave you the runaround. And I stumbled on two different organizations, the New Teacher Project. So I'm familiar with Teach for America, but can you high-level overview or about the organization, what it focuses in on, and how that how you felt that aligned with who you were and that trajectory to going towards education policy. Yeah, that's the question. I depend on what community you go in, you might get some different facial expressions or responses to when you say that. And I say that also to say that Peace for America has also been like this revamp, but Tyler, Peace for America is organization dedicated to people who believe that education is a pathway for kids and opens doors to um, I'm say certain privileges that society has and so it kind of sets that foundation for like future self 
And I will say this as a person, not even as an educator, like I have grown a lot just thinking about the things I've learned, like microaggressions, you probably experienced that you didn't know the language for it, microaggressions and like the spectrum of identity and gender and like all these things. And I think it's very interesting to be, to be like quality educators, not here they let the play and go forth and fall. Like it is very intentional. It's a class course, but it's very dedicated to not only preparing you to be an educator, but like regularly, but also as a human. That makes a lot of sense. And I think what's interesting to me about Teach for America in itself is majority of the individuals that I know have done it, like you said, they go to like underserved populations. Some have been in the Mississippi Delta. Some have been where there's been a lot of individuals that have just due to gentrification have to move because price of living here has gotten really. But what I've always found to be interesting is that individuals will go and do Teach for America do their kind of tour of duty, if you will, for about maybe two to three years and then make a pivot towards some type of social justice, whether it's becoming, I guess you could say, government relations, serving on school boards, becoming attorneys, etc. What I'm interested about with you is you made a very interesting part point around things that you may be familiar with or of experience, but not necessarily have the language for such as like microaggressions, the various different spectrums that encompass all of life and like how that impacted you to not only go into the classroom, but then essentially for lack of a better term, stay within that kind of primary education. I want to speak to the first piece of what you just said. That's some of why Teach for America is a bad taste in some people's mouth because people could argue, and understandably, that it's a turnover, it's a, a turnover situation. It's something else, and I think that's part of the pivot that Teach for America has been very intentional about changing. Um, but I, I like to say I drank the Kool-Aid. I, I think that with any organization, Teach for America, it has its things it needs to work on. That's anything. And, and to speak to this piece on like people who choose, they, they might leave the classroom, but they still choose to do things that still serve people who might not be able to have a, a voice per se, or their voices aren't as loud or able to be as loud. Um, I know that the organization, and I can speak for like my region, has been very intentional about keeping a lot, like keeping in touch with alums so that we can fellowship, so that we can mentor. Even like where I currently work, my executive director is actually an alum of <laughs> America. So I'm really proud as alum have gone to the work. Like it looks different. It's not, and today, here is your bill rate. But yeah. it's still very much doing the work, like getting your hands dirty. That makes a lot of sense. And so I think that speaks a lot of volume towards who you are as an individual. So being on that front line, being within the classroom, like you were saying, yeah, you get to get your hands dirty, but at the same time, you're really engaged with the students. You have those direct one-to-one -one conversations where there might be an individual that's learning style you might necessarily have to adjust to because of various different factors at home mm -hmm. or what have you. For you as an individual, what do you provide for you or fill your cup? Oh my God, I love this question in the classroom sporadically throughout my career like overall I have like five and a half years of like teaching experience which to me I think speaks so about the babies um and by babies I mean I'm called high school middle school elementary they are my babies it does um, I used to 
to say the Beyonce in the room. And so, first of all, the creativity part, like, I don't think some people get to realize that there is a science to teaching and there is an art to teaching. And I am not saying that I am a guru. Here's what I'm supposed to teach, but I get this autonomy to teach it this way. My job as an educator is not to tell you, like, how, like, what to think. I gotta help teach you how to think. Because I want you to have your own thoughts, not just Miss Brooklyn. And so that creative piece, of, but also just when I was in the core, when I was in the core America, they're called CMAs, the people who coach you, core member advisors. And I will never forget this. She said, let your freak flex. So basically, if I had to talk about in my adulthood where I felt the most comfortable being my most authentic self, can literally have to be whatever. And that helps with buying it. So this, this piece of engaging relationships were like a very big part of like my favorite part which also led to a couple of things I chose to do, like extracurricularly with the babies. But so creative piece, but also just like seeing actually applying it, seeing it come to life. But this other piece though, the third piece, I also use like the three main pillars for me, is when things click. So like, I'm really huge on work ethic. You don't have to be the most advanced reader. But baby, if you got the work ethic, I can work with you. Like, people only celebrate, are you advanced? Are you the top? Are you the dad? And we forget. So being able to like celebrate with them. That's a really interesting point there where you talk about celebrating growth and having that ability to recognize that in the sense of saying, traditionally, we always recognize individuals that have made it to the top tier, the first, but realizing the individuals who really and truthfully started at one place and then whatever effort that they put in was able to make that transformation. And so yeah. for you, what is it about that resonates with you? Was it having those individuals in your life when you were doing your rearing that recognized your growth? Yeah. Oh, this is, I'm, I say this up every quick. You are on. For the first, one thing in particular, so it's each for American, you get to choose where you want to be. Sometimes it doesn't where you don't get the top three. But actually only showed one place, and it, it was Mississippi, where I knew there was a need. So I kind of went into the field with, this is what I want to do. Because there are certain schools I'm not willing to serve in. And I say that because you don't you don't need it. You don't need it. And so that's one piece of just unsaid of the need. And I don't say that as a superhero. I don't say that as a savior. It's my first year of teaching. As you said, like, I am what we would consider, oh, the high achieving, the AP. That was great, Lord, truly. And Terry Stanberry was one of my first periods, taught me that there is a difference between being educated and actually being intelligent. And this child, he really, I'm saying child, he's a 10th grader, but this child was absolutely brilliant. Like, brilliant. It was in a pre AP class. I taught English. Yes. I mean, just the way his brain, I'm like, give me some share. And that's when I realized, first of all, I need to have a shift in what I think. Like, they have the things. My job is to help pull it out. And so, my second year, I got to I still taught general education, but I taught, I had pre-AP and I had AP. And it further exemplified and even illustrated that there is a difference between more advanced courses. There's this misconception that like compliant behavior, compliance is synonymous with like learning and, and it's not, it's just not. Socially, if we think about respectability politics, they don't align, they don't align air quotes with what would be synonymous with them, but they're brilliant. They are brilliant. 
I think what you said there are two main components. One is like your job as an educator is to not necessarily provide them the tools because it's like they already have them, but like help pull them out how to use them. Because at the end of the day, not necessarily everyone knows how to leverage all the tools that they have and leverage how all the various different resources. But it's through providing those various different perspectives that one can understand like, oh, I didn't know that this was something of value. And you said something else there that I thought was really interesting is about like compliance and how traditionally we consider the traditional narratives of saying, okay, you do good in school, you go to college, you get a good job. There's a lot of this kind of compliance towards what is defined as success. And this helps me lead to this particular question. You mentioned earlier that you did five years within actually into the classroom and like opportunity came that essentially had to pull you out of it because you were so drawn and dedicated towards it. I'm a real big proponent of self-care, oneself being the priority, because how can you take care of anybody else before you take care of yourself? And so for you, how did those experiences in the classroom help you realize the tools that you needed to pull out and not accept the compliance around the narrative to make a pivot to still be within education, but take on a different role? Yeah, so I had, I've had two jobs within my career that were outside the classroom. So the first one came after four years, maybe, I'm in the classroom. And um, so when I was not, when I was like year three, year four of teaching, I worked for Teach for America part-time. That same woman who I will never forget who told me served two summers with her role. So I was a criminal advisor. I coached brand new teachers over the summer. And so the, 28th, the second year, the lady who was like over that for the summer put a, a bug in someone else's on. I spent the years while I was still teaching, working part-time some more, creating and facilitating professional development for yeah. upper novice for elementary teachers. And it was a time. It was a time. With the, the content leader position, we would have some virtual PD sessions, but then every quarter there was, or every semester there was an in-person one. And so you want to work full-time as a manager, as MPLD, manager, teacher, leadership development. Mm. And I'm like, I literally said, well, I don't want to leave my baby. So I applied and I got it. And it, oh my gosh, I loved that being able to go to different schools. And I still was able to be around babies, right? I went model a lesson or like co-teach. And then God called me to go back to the classroom after serving like a year doing that. People thought I was good. Do you hear me? And this speaks to when you know you're in purpose, what other people have to say or what they think doesn't matter. Because what? <laughs> Making great money. I'm living a PT I always teach for. Like even people who I work on staff with a friend, are you disgruntled? Are you okay? <laughs> Yeah, it's this guy that really calling me to go back to the class. As a matter of fact, January 2021, and I heard the Lord say, you need to you need to think about why you've been running from administration. And I was like, because oh, sometimes, sometimes God really grabs grab your bite edges. And I was like, he's like, great. Now that you know that I'm going to send you back into the classroom. And it's, within two weeks, I had a job for that fall. That was not a great environment. It was not a great experience 
on an administrative level. And so I applied to one thing. Offer letter my last because I have a little of a year, but I'm also just thankful because even though my last experience in the classroom was not great, just as far as I was treated uh, by administration, it really helped to do some of the work that I do now with cultivating like leadership curriculum. I said all of that to say just being obedient, trusting my good, and just trusting that I'm going to be taken care of. Like even if it looks crazy to other people, like I'm. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be taken care of if I'm where I'm supposed. Let's talk about a little bit of where you are at now. Like you were full circle within education policy. Can you share a little bit around the organization that you work for and what you do there, and what is the strategic goal that you have within this current present moment that you're in? Yeah, I'm gonna answer the last part first. My primary goal. Where I am now is to learn as much as I can. Day that I show up, I'm like, I know exactly why I am here. Like, it, like I just feel like that connects so for me. And I'm just so thankful for my executive director, who's also my manager, because she epitomizes, like, what I've been through that I consider her a mentor. And she clutched up early. But, girl, yes, you. But so, to, like, my goal is really to, because when I said the administration, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if it's traditional. I don't know, but I know that where I am now, like right now I'm working with, I've never created and facilitated a, a fellowship. Did it. It was great. We're doing it again this year. So that's my goal. But what I did now, so I have a serving as the associate in Mississippi first. My executive director and the co other co-founder just got really sick of saying Mississippi on the bottom of things we should be you know, on the top of and vice versa, helping to expand the charter school sector here in Mississippi, really digging through like the educator pipeline and like, why is it where it is now? What can we do to like, it's so I work as an education policy and advocacy organization, but I don't directly do policy. Now I am, I am in the room for charter schools, so I'm thankful for that, but I help to create programming to implement the policies that happen. Yeah. So, so Leadership pipeline, trying to school leadership pipeline, educator pipeline, those are like my, my, my jam currently. And creating, like I said, create a program, which aligns with like an idea from like Thomas here from that past. And I say, oh, this is what you want to do. And then it turns into a thing. I see a lot of connections between the experiences that you had, not only within Teach for America, but also the part-time work that you did, the curriculum development, all of those various different aspects. I'm curious around when you are taking those ideas and making it happen, like what is the vision that you see whenever you're planning and implementing these things? The work that I do impact kids, but directly impact adults. Mm. So when I'm thinking through like fleshing things out, with programming, I'm thinking about what did I need? What would helpful like what was helpful for me when I was in that position or what would have been helpful for me when I was in that position? And what's gonna prevent some of the things that I that I did not miss the work around flesh band and the leadership pipeline. We think it was for charter the charter school sector here in Mississippi. And so it's not only like in stone anything, but my experiences collectively but especially at this last school I worked at 
helped me to be able to flesh out something that trains people who are like, I want to start a charter school and I want to be the executive director slash principal of it. To be able to do that work with, I would say, decreased harm to the people who want to do this work with you. So there's built-in DEI for that. There is like leadership. Because it's not just like, okay, what kind of leader am I and why? And what are my communications? And that's something that I, I, I wanted at all of my schools. And I got it. Some of them, there are people, I had administrators I will never forget who took good care of me and made sure I understood what's going Whatever they, they had to go build a dry ramp ball for me to write my flight, taking really good care of me. And so I really just, what did I need? What would have been helpful? And what for success? So you were talking about earlier that within this present moment, within this role, the primary goal is to learn, to really capture all of this different information. And I think it's really interesting as like you're taking this opportunity to learn, you're leveraging like your past experience to say, hey, what is it the things that I wish I would have had needed, gotten more experience of, what have you? And I'm curious around how that intentionality of coming into a position to say, I want to learn, how has that helped you within like your own growth and development? So this spirit of I'm here to learn, take that everywhere. You heard me. I was a girl who was my manager. Like, I have to literally had to be like, okay, girl. <laughs> I had a check-in recently with my manager, like I said, with the executive director, and, and so this growth piece kind of came up. Because, and I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, I was raised as, like, the overachiever, and seeing consistent success, seeing tangible success let you know, or I'm just going to say this, let me know That's really beautiful. And I think I appreciate that a lot because like you were just saying, used to having those milestones to say, okay, you've completed this particular task or you've laid all these different bricks and here's finally the wall, all of these different things to say, okay, cool. I'm done now on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Like within this kind of phase, it's like this consistent kind of molding and it's like, the most beautiful abstract art in the sense of working with clay to say 
you have this glob, you say, okay, I'm going to make this. It becomes like a cup or something of that nature. But now it's about working on the individual details. And those individual details makes it essentially the masterpiece that it's going to be. <laughs> but no, though, for real, like you were saying beforehand, oh, I can be a principal investigator. I can do all these things. I know just based upon my privilege of knowing you for X amount of years that when it came to the list of like professions that you could have, you are like the individual that says, I'm going to be the astronaut lawyer who... Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and to become that person who you are today, it sounds like that's essentially what you're detailing your life to essentially become. And so I think it's really curious to learn about what it looks like, that next leg of the journey. So I used to have a very ready-made answer up until a few years ago. And now I'm in a season where I'm like, it's so much peace and joy and literally being like, all right, what, what's next? And I never would have thought it was this. Now and so to know the work that my organization has done well before me, what who my executive director is, what she has done, the resources I have, like it's gonna be the bomb.com. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be something great. And I was excited about not knowing. Also, oddly not stressed about it. But also just like, I think that also keeps approval, right? Like I have come into contact with people who just, I want the power. They want the title. They want their denotation of respect, but it doesn't equate to what's best for kids, what's best for teachers, what's best for family. And that's scary. So I think that though I don't know, I'm excited about it, but it also keeps me very humble because whatever I do next, I literally know I'm planted there. There is a reason that I'm planted there. So that was not Oprah. Here's my life in ten years, but <laughs> I really just want to. I want really promote that it's okay to have peace and not knowing, and to sit in. And this is what I'm seeing, like where I'm at right now. To sit in like the now, but trust that the work that you're doing now is going to. Literally, like your talents will literally make ropey for the next day. I, because I've been saying the word am now, I wonder if it'll be like district leadership. I might be a school principal. I don't know, but it'll be something. It feel very much hard work. I like how you talked about there because you covered a really good spectrum of the realities of today. There are individuals that are kind of power hungry, want the title, want the their version of respect whether it might be compensation all these various different things but really focusing in on who is from my field perspective like who is like your end user who is like your customer and like in this space it's families it's students it's teachers themselves and so in being in that kind of space like, what do you feel will be the challenges that you might have to endure? And how are you preparing your armor for those various different battles? Come on, language. I did that at a Teach for America conference. <laughs> but um, people aren't going to remember what you said, what you did. But 
but they're definitely going to remember how you made them feel. And so my challenge is going to be to lean into that because I do honor people I do this work with, but also being very confident and standing in the decisions that are made. Because you might not like how the decision makes you feel, but there that method to the madness. But the work I'm doing now is just like talking to people, working with people who have these deferring perspectives, but also navigating. I don't have to align with everything about you. If we see eye to eye, let's work in tandem. And so I would say one struggle probably would be making sure that I keep people that I'm doing this work with invested, like the why of like why we're here. I think that's very important. So like at my organization, we always try to start, whether it's a high level executive town hall, or it's just like your daily huddle, like mission moment. And so understanding whether it's a story about patients and families, whether it's a story about like safety, what have you, like at the end of the day, we're always here for like patients and families and yeah. anything that we can do to help support that cause is towards that. So when you're having these tough decisions, like for example, in these difficult financial times, you're able to make those kind of tough decisions to be like, yeah, I know that like you really like this program and you last year you received X amount of dollars for that. This year you're not going to get it because we got to do what's best for patients and families, but not necessarily using that as like a brushstroke statement, but really and truthfully having that intentionality behind it and like the reasoning, like what you were saying beforehand as far as being like a principal investigator I think sometimes people can just say something to say, okay, we're doing it for this reason. And like, you can't debate it, but there's also has to be the, the research or the data that supports like the decision that you're making. That's actually a perfect segue to what I'm going to say. A great metaphorical weapon is the skill of like listening. Active listening, critical thinking, humble inquiry. <laughs> So take a lap around the trouble inquiry because why you didn't ask me? The inquiry will save a lot of people from the drama. Yes, indeed. Oh my goodness. This has really and truthfully been a phenomenal conversation. And I've really enjoyed the time that we've taken on for today. I don't want to take too much of your time, but I would like to pivot and just save this last couple of minutes for these lightning questions that I typically ask. So if you're okay with that, I want to just jump right into them. So for these lightning questions, do you prefer texting, talking, or video chat? It depends on who you are. <laughs> I love it. What or who inspires you and why? Uh, oh my gosh. It depends on the arena. The first person that came to mind truly is my mama. And that sounds like very too pop. But she... Oh, the older I get, the more I understand like her as a woman and I my track on like and even personhood. So shout out to my mom. I love it. And then on a scale from one to ten, one being low and ten being like the best, how good are you at keeping secrets? Oh, okay. I, I wanna I wanna say like a seven. I love it. Once again, I really appreciate your time, fair and future Dr. Russell. I really hope that you have a great rest of the week and a great rest of the day. You too. All right. This has been another episode of Don't Be Coy with Uncle Lou. 
As always, I'd like to thank this episode's guest for a great conversation, as well as thank you, the listener, for joining in. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular, I always appreciate your support. If you like today's episode and ever want to listen to more, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And to join our community and access future bonus content, be sure to visit dbkpodcast.com.